Hey, how's everybody doing today? Welcome to Believe in Boston Betting with your host, Shukri Wrights. Today, I have the one and only Bill Spiros. He is a senior betting analyst for Bookies, Bookies.com, and also a sports columnist for the Boston Herald. And I am thrilled to have you on today because there's a lot going on in, in the sports world in, in terms of Boston sports and even sports at large. But let's start with talking locally first because we just had Monday Night Football, the Patriots and the Cardinals, although the Patriots won, but there is more headlines that came out of the game than, than you would expect from a Thursday night episode of Jersey Shore. So, Bill, let's start with the New England Patriots of 7-6 and six right now going into the Christmas Eve matchup against the Bengals. What are some of your early impressions coming from the game on Monday night against the Arizona Cardinals? And what do you make of the Patriots, given where they currently are right now, holding the last wild card seat in the AFC? Well, you talk about Jersey Shore. You have uh, Snooky, Patricia, and uh, Matt, Mac, the Situation Jones, and uh, Snooky, and the Situation aren't getting along right now. At least they weren't getting along. You know, it, it's a great analogy because that game was like those reality shows. I mean, look, I'm I'm addicted to 90 Day Fiance, and um, my wife and I love Married at First. I'm I'm addicted to all that. Believe me, it's yes. And I'm <laughs> I'm like unnaturally obsessed with with all the wives and sister wives and how he dumps them all when they get old and fat. But um, you know, so the, so Snooky and the situation had a problem during the show on Monday night. But much like the shows that we see on these reality shows, what you see on the air isn't necessarily what happens in real life. And it's usually edited and scripted, even though it's not supposed to be. So I listened to what Patricia, not Patricia, but what Mac Jones said after the game. Um, And I would say if, if there was a real concern with that, I would imagine that Belichick would have grumbled or grunted something about it. So I think that Belichick is fine with it. I mean, he saw Brady and McDaniels yell at each other for a decade. Um, It's during the game. So I don't think there's an issue there. I think the issue is they need to let him throw the ball more. Yeah. uh, Obviously, Uh, especially with the injury situation at running back. Um, But in terms of that overall win, that, that is like, I cannot remember a Patriots win where the reaction among the fan base was so depressing. Um, you know, there's moral moral victories. Uh, you know, that was almost like an immoral victory. It was like they won the game, but it was as if it was as if they were the Bucks. You know, I don't think the Bucks fans were as upset losing thirty five to seven as the Patriots fans were mm-hmm. uh, winning that game Monday night, um, which is a little surprising. I, I understand the concerns and they're valid. I mean, I'm like the Patriots schedule right now. It's my first screensaver. Of course, my second one is the buck schedule, but you know, <laughs> look at this schedule. I mean, you know, who knows what's going to happen with Josh McDaniels. Remember the last time Josh McDaniels coached against the Patriots. Um, I think it was Brock Osweiler led the Broncos to a win. In Denver in overtime in 2009 when Josh McDaniels was coaching the Broncos. That was the last time he coached against the Patriots, and he beat him with Brock Osweiler. Yeah. 
So who knows what to expect uh, Sunday. I think the Patriots should should beat the Raiders. I think the Raiders are terrible. Um, and I think that Belichick is smart enough to figure out a way. Um, but then look at these last three games. You know, the Bengals, the Dolphins, and then at Buffalo. I mean, that's like a, that's like a triple shot of death. <laughs> the the only saving grace they might have is if the Bills are already locked into either the first or second spot on the eighth, and maybe they don't necessarily play all their starters the full way. You know, if it's like a mini buy or something for them, mm. um, they might catch a break there. And of course, the Dolphins coming into the Dolphins were using space heaters inside SoFi Stadium, where it was fifty five degrees. Wow. They're going to Buffalo this week and they're coming to New England on New Year's Day. So maybe there's some hope there. And the Bengals, ironically, get Tom Brady one week, then the Patriots the next. So who knows? I mean, there's a glimmer of hope in each of those games, depending on how you slice them. But the reality is um, their offensive line is terrible. Their play calling is terrible. Um, and their defense is making way too many uh, mistakes as well as they played the other night. Um, so it's uh, the 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 troubling reaction to the win is is certainly justified as surprising as it was for me. For me, for for a lot of different reasons, I feel I don't feel excited. I don't feel thrilled. Yeah, I, that's, I, that's I, a I, great. I yeah, I, that's how I honestly feel. And the reason is because I was tweeting during the during the first half of the game. How to go to bed because how to wake up at four o'clock in the morning for the next day, but during the first half, I'm like, "What are we doing with this play calling? What are we yes. doing like with the with the with the turnovers? What like what are we doing being this one dimensional offense that very like here and there we're able to take shots down the field to Devontae Parker before he had to be taken out mm -hmm. of the game with the head injury, but there was just so many question marks and. And, and you alluded to that that the Patriots they play the Raiders on Sunday, they back home Christmas Eve against the Bengals, and I was thinking ahead to the to the to the Bengals game because I'm just like I don't know what this team is going to look like by the time we get to Christmas Eve, which is um, which is about ten days away. But my goodness, if you are looking at the scene from a betting perspective, what's your overall confidence level in terms of the Patriots making the playoffs? Because even right now. There's still no guarantee. They still got the Raiders, as you mentioned, got the Bengals on Christmas Eve. You got the Bills, and you and like you got, I think you got the Bills um twice, twice before the end of the season, if I'm correctly. No, just once. Uh, ju just just once. Okay. So, as you mentioned, you talk about a triple shot of death. That's a that's a triple shot of. Everclear, and, yes. and for those, if you, for those that don't know, those of you that know that know. So, what what is your confidence level in terms of the Patriots making the postseason, given um, their remaining schedule? Well, I just looked up the odds while you were talking. They're mm -hmm. plus one sixty to make the playoffs at Caesars, um, minus one eighty not to make the playoffs. It's a little bit uh, lower actually than I thought. I, I thought that. The price, I mean, a little bit higher than I thought. I thought the price would be lower. Um, you know, minus 160 is not bad. Um, it's actually not a bad bet. The the thing I like about the Patriots 
is that they have the tiebreakers in their favor and concerning the Jets and the Chargers. Um, you know, the assumption is they're going to have to certainly win three out of these four. Um, if, you know, if not all four. I mean, the Jets, I'm not really worried about the Jets and, and the Chargers are who we know they are. You know, they're a perennial 500 team that always ends up on the wrong end of every equation at the end of the year. So that's not a concern um, for me. I think the concern is the Patriots. So it's a really interesting challenge for this franchise because I, I've written this and, you know, I think it's been born clear and I've talked about it. You know, no team during Belichick's reign has been more Belichickian than this one. Mm. Because you have to remember, he inherited players from Parcells and Carroll. Yes. And then he had Brady. And then Brady became his own supernova. And then even after Brady left, he had Josh McDaniels. But this team, there's no Brady effect. There's no Josh McDaniels effect. I think I, I looked it up. I think there might have been four, four starters who actually played with Brady that had to run this team. So, I mean, there's no Brady effect anymore. It's gone. This is all Belichick from having his kids coaching to bringing in Judge and Patricia to bringing in the quarterback that he specifically picked because he played for Nick Saban um, to, to the, all those free agents he got before last season. That was the first time they, you know, he was able to go out and spend those were all his guys to these these drafts. The last one was actually pretty good. So mm. this is as much his team as he's ever had coaching at any level, you know, cause it takes a while for other guys to flush out of the system. Um, so to me, it's a really critical run for him. I'm not going to go so far as to say he's going to be fired. I think that's a little absurd, mm. but I wouldn't go so far as to say that if the opportunity was there and Robert Kraft wanted to bring Tom Brady back to new England, and Tom Brady wanted to come back to New England, that Robert Kraft would buy the groceries in this specific instance and tell Belichick to take it or leave it. I could see that scenario. Yeah. This is assuming they don't want a playoff game. But, you know, I think this is I, I'm not into the leg. I mean, Belichick's legacy is fine. Brady's legacy is fine. Let's talk about legacy's idiocy. But just to prove what he's done this year and last year. To, to whether or not it's borne fruit. I think these last ga four games are immensely important for that. And I think he knows better than anyone what the team needs and what it doesn't need. You know, maybe it's just a matter of execution like it usually is. Just want to remind everyone that is listening to this podcast. The podcast is also streaming on Believe Betting Radio via TuneIn radio app across the country. This is um, Bill Spiros, uh, who was kind enough to join me on the um, Believe in Boston Betting podcast on on uh, the Boston on Believing on um, Believe Network. He is a senior betting analyst for bookies and sports columnist for Boston Herald as well. And and as you were talking about, um, like in terms of the legacies, in terms of Brady and Belichick, it's solidified. And at this point, there's very little that can be done that that can change either legacies um respectively now as far as belichick's legacy is concerned or his story i think his story is still is still um it's still left to be uh, finally completely written if you will i was looking at the odds for the patriots and raiders matchup for this week and 
right now the money line part of me is is at a minus 106 um in, in, in favor of, of New England and however one thing that has caught my eye is that there are there are many people who believe that the Patriots will enter this game as underdogs versus the the Raiders in Las Vegas although the the Las, Las Vegas Raiders have been in a bit of a of a down, downward spiral if you will bill do you agree with that assessment? Do you believe that the Patriots should be underdogs? And if you're going to bet um, um bet the um the, um the over, would that be a a wise bet to make if if you're betting on this game? Well, I'm I'm looking at the line as we tape. It's a pick'em right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that line's been pretty steady. Uh, I do my weekly picks usually the Sunday night, um, going into Monday because we got to get them up on the site. And I believe that was a pick Sunday. So you might get a, a point either way, but I mean, we're not going to have a tie. So, you know, look, I mean, if the money line, if you can get plus 100 on the money line, you know, that's, that's something considered right now, everywhere I'm looking, it's either a pick or minus one, which is the same thing. Yeah. Um, so I think this is really just going to come down to a pick. I don't think the points are going to uh, come into play. I think the Raiders have been playing well. You know, they've won two straight. The Patriots are coming off, like you said, the the most emotionally dissatisfying win of the franchise's history. So, <laughs> and and to your point about the emotion, um, you know, I think outside of New England and Clark County, I'm not sure there's a whole lot of interest in this game. I mean, forget the fact that it was flexed out. Um, you know, I don't think people outside New England really care about you know, two mid-level teams with fringe playoff hopes. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, in games like this late in the season, if you feel like there's a real advantage that the odds makers are missing, whether it be Belichick or Derek Carr against the Patriots secondary, you know, that's when you want to make a jump. Um, but, you know, these sorts of games, most, you know, disinterested observers will probably stay away from. I would imagine that there's enough other action elsewhere to draw a lot of money um you know i kind of like the patriots in this game aside from the uh you know Derek carr throwing you know 70 yard touchdown passes to Devontae adams and his his taco bell restaurant Uh, but aside from those sort of plays i i i think they can can stifle um this this offense um you know, I, I'm always a fan of the I'm always a fan of the under. The total here, um, you know, has kind of edged up a little bit, which makes me nervous. Um, 44 and a half points is not a lot of points until the Patriots start throwing half a dozen screen passes on every drive. Mm. And it looks like 54 points. Um, but I think that number is reachable. Maybe, you know, the one the one thing I've I've always noticed about the Patriots is they always, you know, tend to do the opposite of what you think they're gonna do. Yeah. You know, they run the ball 46 times against Buffalo and then they come out throwing or you know, I mean, you know, you saw glimpses of, of Mac Jones being able to get that ball downfield. Um, and I don't know the secondary difference between those two teams, but I gotta believe that they're gonna stretch that field. 
Um, so that's where you might get some of those points on broken coverages or plays where guys like Hunter Henry are left wide open 20, 30 yards downfield. So um, I can see where those points could come from. Um, it's probably, again, it's it's just a matter of, of I think it's more of an issue of game planning. Mm. You know, what's the Patriots game plan going to be? You know, if you knew that, obviously, you'd know what to bet. But, you know, if they're throwing screen passes and running the ball, forget it. That total is going to be way under. But if they decide to open it up, who knows? You know, I think the the Raiders might have more trouble scoring than New England. From the gridiron to the ice, the Bruins have been the big story so far in Boston sports uh, this winter. I mean, although winter hasn't officially started, but in my mind, winter has started and it's here and arrived early in the form of the Boston Bruins. They have been the biggest story in Boston. Um, I don't think anybody expected the Bruins to be this dominant. I mean, far and away the best team in the NHL, not just based on the standings, but in terms of what we've seen on the ice. Now, they have a matchup against the Los Angeles Kings on Thursday night. And so the early, the early odds are, are, are that the, the Bruins are at a minus a 1.5 on going into this matchup. But before we get into the betting aspect, Bill, like what has impressed you most about the Bruins and what they've accomplished so far as we are, as we are now in mid December, as the Bruins complete this gauntlet of a nine game stretch, six, two and one against some of the better teams in the league, as some people have believed yet this team has continue to enter every single challenge that has come their way. What has made this team so special this season in your view versus where they were just, just a year ago? Well, the start, um, the Bruins had a huge advantage at the start of this season. They had their top two lines, you know, picking up like Krejci never left. Mm-hmm. So they got David Krejci back. And I think the other unwritten story thus far is the fact that Patrice Bergeron is probably healthy, Um, very healthy. Mm -hmm. And he has been, you know, and and Marshawn too. I mean, he comes back from an injury, big question mark, comes back like he never left. You know, Bergeron every year looks like he just, you know, walked off of of, uh, Omaha Beach. (laughs) And... But he appears to be very healthy. And I think, you know, having Krejci back has really just, you know, it's almost like when you, if you were really close with some people and you you maybe see one or the other, you know, again, to your Jersey Shore analogy, you know, it's not really the Jersey Shore until, uh, you know, Snooky and JWoww are together, yep. right? Snooky's yep. just there. It's kind of like, eh. I mean, Krejci's kind of like Jay Wild. He shows up, and that's the magic, right? You have, um, oh, what's his name, Pauly? Is that right? You're talking about Pavel Zaka, the, the check line. No, I'm talking about on, on Jersey. Oh, oh, oh yeah, on, on DJ Pauly. And, DJ Pauly. And you know, Ronnie. Don't forget, don't forget Ronnie. Ronnie. Yep. Jay Wow and uh, Sammy. Girl, Sammy. <laughs> so when you have them all together – you know, there's chemistry there. 
there is a past, right? There's yes. past conflicts and past triumphs. And so you have, you know, you, you bring Kretschy back. And, and I think that that was, you know, it's like if you're cooking and you add the salt or the sugar and then everything comes together, the other 50 ingredients mesh. And I think that's what's happened with the Bruins this year. And that's why they were able to come out of the gate. And, you know, they got back uh, Marshawn. They had, uh, you know, players coming back that were hurt. So they're fully healthy. That's obviously important. And goaltender has been spectacular. Uh, what a what a boost uh, he's given them. The yeah. young one. So, you know, the goaltending has been way better than expected. And your best players are healthy and performing at their best. I don't think it's a real, you know, secret what they're doing well. And the other thing too, that I think is important that they, that they have to keep up. If you want to talk about a playoff run is they're dominant at home. Yeah. And in the playoffs, you need to win at home. Absolutely. What happened in 2019? You lost games five and seven. They lost three games Mm -hmm. in that series on home ice. That's inexcusable. So, the fact that they're dominant at home, and if they, you know, when you hear the, have they peaked too soon? My only concern <laughs> about that is the part about them kicking ass at the garden. They, if they can establish ownership of that place and, you know, use it to intimidate or depress. Incoming opponents in the playoffs, and of course, if you have home ice in that mm-hmm. game seven at home, I mean, that's the difference in winning a Stanley Cup. Because that 2019 team was as good as this one. It's like almost the same team, practically. Oh, oh yeah. And so, you know, except for the goalie. And, and so, you know, they lose three games at home in the finals. This team may not lose three games at home all year. You know, it's like the 85, 86 Celtics. They looks one home game all year, including the playoffs. Wow. So this team has to be like that going into the postseason. I know guys are going to get hurt. Um, I know, you know, guys are going to get worn out or whatever it is. Peak too soon. But then everybody gets hurt. Everybody gets worn up. That That is equal across the board. Mm-hmm. Players getting hurt. Teams getting tired. The season dragging on. What isn't equal is having dominance at home. And to me, that's the most important thing they need to carry throughout the entire season and into playoffs if you want them to win a Stanley Cup. Absolutely. Now, if you have money on the line for tomorrow, tomorrow's game between the Kings and Bruins. I am going to Gamblers Anonymous and turning myself in. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a bad idea at all. Going at it, going at it. I'm not to the point where I'm betting on regular season. (laughs) You know, gambling is not legal in Florida. It's not legal in Massachusetts yet. It's probably a good thing because I think if it was, I may be betting on this game. I mean, the Bruins are minus 220. That's a huge line. Um, You know, and even they're 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 barely uh, plus 110 on on the puck line. Um, That's a, you know, I don't. I mean, betting on a, I don't really even bother with money lines when they're minus below minus or above minus 150. I don't see the the logic in that. Um, I mean, I'm not betting $500,000 a night just trying to, you know, leverage a 20% or a 30% return. I don't bet like that. Um, you know, 
if you want to bet $10 to give yourself a rooting interest in the game, fine. You know, bet the over. This team's potting the, potting the puck, as we like to say. Um, you know, six six goals. I'm normally not a fan of betting the over, but who knows? You know, you might get two empty netters. That's possible. That, that's the that's so terrible. The NHL, you know, betting the betting the total, and then you get those empty netters, and it's just like, damn. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's the terrible. way that the the way that the Kings have um, rolled on um, recently, they have. I mean, they they have been struggling, especially on the on the penalty kill. Um, in which that it wouldn't even surprise me if the Bruins um scored six goals against them. It really wouldn't, especially the way that how this offense when it when it's going, it's going. And it doesn't yeah, matter. And and, yeah. and to that point, I think I think the players, you know, when they're playing well, they don't hold back. They can score seven goals, they're gonna score seven. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I suppose if if I was forced to to make a call in that game, I'd probably look toward the over. Even though it's it's kind of high, but it seems like that you know you know it's going to be a Bruins crowd there, right? L.A. <laughs> so who knows? Uh, they might want to put on a show for the home team in the uh, Staples Center. What's your thoughts on the on the Boston Celtics um, season thus far? I mean, this team is still the best team in the NBA, although they did have a bit of a hiccup on the West Coast, but they did rebound nicely against the Lakers. Um, and, and last night's game. So I just want to get your thoughts overall on on where this team currently is and Tatum's rebound performance against LeBron and the Lakers. Well, I think last night's win was really impressive. Yes, uh, I agree. It's 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 hard. It's got to be so hard, you know, to be on the West Coast and want to play basketball for starters. Um, you know, especially in that environment. Mm. That was a that was a nice win last night. I mean, this team has demonstrated its ability to win in the regular season. It's demonstrated its ability to win in the playoffs. I mean, the only thing standing in its way right now are the Bucks and the and the um, Warriors, of course. Um, my only concern with the Celtics, and I outlined this in my column today when I was when Santa wrote my column today, and and his one gift for the Celtics was a killer instinct. And I think that's what they lack. I think we saw that in the playoffs last year. I think we saw it the other night in Golden State. Um, you know, and, I think, and the Clippers, I, I would I would say too. Yeah, and the Clippers too. That's a great mm-hmm. point. Yeah, you know, I think there's still a little bit of you know. I think there's still a little bit of like, oh, this is Steph, and you know, Steph likes me. Yeah, this is great. Oh, he likes me. It's like you know, Rudolph. He, she likes me. She, <laughs> he's cute. It's like Jason Tatum. Oh, he's just cute. He's like, hey, some cute. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I have you watched? I tell everybody that this is what you want to do: watch the Redeem Team on Netflix. It's about the 2008 U.S. Olympic mm. team. It was produced by LeBron and uh, Carter. What's his first name? Yeah, Vince Carter. Yeah, Vince. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so, um, and it's all about how they won the gold medal, and the whole story is about how Kobe just said, we're going to kick their ass. And you guys better come along for the ride. And it was, I mean, it's tremendous, yeah. tremendously well done. And I'm no LeBron fan, but man, he knocked it out of the park with this one. And there's a scene in the beginning about when they played Spain in the first game of the Olympics. Oh, yeah. And Kobe and Paul oh, Gasol were teammates. 
Kobe went to Paul's apartment, met all of his teammates, took pictures. They were buddy buddies. And then he told LeBron and D Wade, the first play of the game, they're going to, they're going to give the ball to Paul. And I'm going to set a pick and knock him on his ass. And sure enough, the first play of the game, Gasol gets the ball and Kobe fronts him and knocks him on his ass. And of course, you know, they cut to LeBron and D Wade and they're like, shit, I can't believe what's happening. <laughs> and, you know, the point was, you know, Kobe was like, you know, I'm going to kill him, even though he's my brother. I'm going to kill him. And then, you know, they had to beat Spain to win the gold medal. So if if Jason Tatum and these other guys want to be like Kobe Bryant, fine. Because Kobe Bryant would, you know, play to win and be the killer no matter what. And And that, to me, is what this team fundamentally lacks. And unfortunately, they don't have a Larry Bird to tell him y'all are playing like a bunch of sissies, mm. you know, like he did in 1984. Yep. But they, they need that kind of motivation or moment, a person to come in and say, you know, you guys are great, but you need to you need to be killers. And Al Horford is not that guy. Well, unfortunately, I don't think he, he is won a championship. So, you know, to me, it's like you want to bring in a guy that's won. And, you know, a guy that knows what it takes to say, look, you guys are awesome, but you can't let Draymond Green get into your head. Don't ever listen to what Steve Kerr tells you ever. Steph Curry wants to wants to take Deuce and bury him. He wants to win. He doesn't care about you. You know, he's he's mind messing with you. He's he's you know, you, you know, they have to learn to ignore all that crap. And and get that next level killer instinct because they are so talented. And my God, I thankfully I was on record as having said <laughs> should not trade Jalen Brown. But my God, those two are so good together. They really are. When when they're on their game, when they're when they're in the game, mm-hmm. you know, it's like watching a you know Brady and Edelman or Gronk. They know where the other guy is. Um, you know, it's it's from so much practice and time together. It's seamless. Uh, I love the fact that Jalen Brown has taken all these shots. Um, and so there's so much talent there. And it's like, you know, it's it's still about championships, right? Isn't it? I don't know. I, I and everybody's like, oh, Patriots got to win a playoff game. Damn, I remember when we were pissed when they didn't win the Super Bowl. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think the Celtics, I think they hold themselves to that standard. So, okay, fine. You hold yourself to that standard. So, you know, take and elevate yourselves to to what it takes to win at that level. I mean, hell, just look at the history of the Celtics. You know, you you don't have to look elsewhere. You know, look look at the Celtics teams that won um, championships Mm -hmm. and the, you know, the mentality that they had. I mean, right out back was turning off the heat. They were calling the hotels, you know, calling, pulling fire alarms at the Lakers hotel and, I mean, they did everything. Uh, so they, I think if they can adopt that mentality, they'll win a championship because they're certainly talented enough. And my, this coach is amazing. And I said it in the Herald today, I think Brad Stevens is the best executive in Boston since Theo Epstein. I really do. Wow, I, think he's done wow. a, I think he's done a tremendous job. And the best thing he ever did was to know that he was no longer a coach. And, and the fact that he had the balls and the brains to do that, and he put himself in this position. I mean, I give the guy all the credit in the world. I I agree with you, with you, Bill. And we're going to wrap up the podcast on on just talking about this in particular because if 
you have to vote for the executive of the year in the NBA. It's got to be Brad Stevens. And no, no to the audience, I'm not being a Celtics homer or anything like that, but you got to consider the following. Go back to last summer when the Kevin Durant rumors were running rampant throughout the NBA. Oh, maybe there was somebody who said, oh, they should trade um, trade Jalen Brown for Kevin Durant. I'm like, no. I said this verbatim on my radio show on 91.5 WMFO. Do not trade Jalen Brown for Kevin Durant because everything that looks gold ain't good for you. And then also, lastly, what he's done in the wake of the M.A. Odoka controversy and electing to go with Joe Mozilla as the as the interim guy, I give him a world of credit because, yes, you have the talent, but in some cases you need the coaching as well. And I think Joe Mozilla should be in consideration for, uh, for, for NBA head coach of the year. Will he win it? I don't know. But I think the consideration should strongly be there, um, in, in my humble opinion. And I just want to say, to you um thank you so much um you've been truly remarkable um and a blast to, to have on the podcast and as well as believe on um, betting radio on tune in as well um bill spiros um, senior betting analyst for bookies and sports columnist for the boston herald thank you so much where people can find your work um go to bookies.com um i'm usually there or you can just google bill spiros at bookies.com or you can follow me at Bill Spiros on Twitter, B-I-L-L-S-P-E-R-O-S, and at Real OBF, R-E-L-O-B-F. And I tweet all my work. So if you follow me on Twitter, you'll get all my links. Thank you so much, Bill, for, for coming on the podcast. I look forward to thank talking you to you soon. Sure, Absolutely. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.